0: Amen, amen. <clears throat> well, good morning, everybody. Um, uh, my name is Tyler Hardy, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and um, uh, hopefully, uh, you feel encouraged already with just worship and hearing that four or five people um, just get their lives to Jesus, which is fun, right? Um, pardon my voice this morning; uh, it's it's going uh, on me, but I think we're going to make it. All right. So, Mitchell, come up and interpret what I'm saying you can't hear me. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, uh, the last seven weeks, we did a series called Passion and Purpose. Passion and Purpose. And really, that whole series was about us being a people uh, that get Jesus' passions, uh, worship and prayer and discipleship and faith. And we just unpacked each of those and just said, God, would you, would you put your passions in us? We want to be passionate about the things that Jesus is passionate about. And we want to have clear purposes aligned with him. And so that's what that whole series is about. And today we're kicking off a new series in the next four weeks. It's called On Mission. And um, and to kind of take us into there, um, I want to take you guys back to maybe middle school for some of us. You may have read the book The Hobbit. I don't know if you (laughs) read that book growing up. We had to read it in school. And, um, you know, The Hobbit is this interesting story about this character named Bilbo Baggins, right? He's a hobbit, and so he's very short, and he's a mythical character, right? And you have, you have uh, Gandalf the wizard, and you have elves and different things, and so if you're not into that, you're like, wow, this is weird, <clears throat> you know, hey, it's all kind of mythical stuff, but it's this great story, and, you know, in the hobbit, just to describe hobbits for you, um, you know, uh, they, they are, are creatures that just really want all the comforts of home, right? I mean, hobbits like to... To kind of have, have their lives pretty ordinary, pretty simple, they don't they don't want a lot of fuss, they're not up for adventure. Uh, hobbits would just rather have everything stay status quo. Uh, they want to tend to their gardens, they want to eat good food, and they just kind of want life to kind of go on while, while, while the rest of the world does all their craziness, they just want things to stay simple and constant, right? And so you have this character, Bilbo, and at the beginning of the story, <coughs> Gandalf comes and he sees him, and um, he's visiting with them, and he says... And Bilbo's been invited to go on this kind of adventure. And, uh, and Bilbo said, hey, Gandalf, remember, I'm a hobbit, and hobbits don't go on adventures. We don't leave our borders. We just do our thing, right? So in this exchange, Gandalf's talking to him, and, uh, and I love this line. He, says, he said, you know, when, 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 did, when did doilies and your mother's dishes become such a big deal to you, right? Because Bilbo is kind of so concerned about all those little things at his house, and, and he's talking. He says, okay, well, hey, if I go on this adventure... Can you promise I'll return? And Gandalf said, no. He said, I can't promise that you'll return. But if you do return, you'll never be the same, right? You'll never be the same. Can I just say that's what it means to go on mission with God is that <clears throat> he gives us promises, but they're still risky, right? And, and, and all you have to do if you've, if you've never read the New Testament or, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, you're, you're going to read about a lot of adventures, <laughs> There were high-risk adventures. You can't just glaze over the part where it says, wow, that was a little crazy, you know? Because following God does not mean that everything is going to be safe, that everything's risk-free. Following God is an adventure, but it's worth living, right? It's worth living. And when you embrace the cross, when you say, Jesus, you forgive me of all my sins. I I come clean. I want to follow you. You just signed up for an adventure. The day you meet the cross, So if you just gave your life to Jesus just now, You just sign up for an adventure and you have no idea what it's going to be like. But that's okay, right? Because God gives us faith and gives us hope and and he's with us in the journey. You know, Chris did a great job sharing this series about discipleship and how Jesus um, calls us to be ones that uh, are to go and to make disciples. And you know, it wasn't just for the 12 disciples of Christ. It is actually for us today that that continues on today through the church. And so in light of that, we decided to kind of come up with this series talking about on mission. And so what we're doing over the next four weeks is we're gonna be talking about how can you be on mission whether it's your stage of life or your vocation or your location or your personality type, your gift mix. Every one of us, if you signed up and said, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus and be with Him, then you know what? He's putting you on mission. And God's inviting you to get on mission with Him again. Now I also know that when we talk about mission or mission trips or just kind of living a missional lifestyle, that sometimes there's a few hangups, particularly when it comes to mission trips, let's say, right? So some of you have been on an overseas trip with us. Some of you haven't or been with another church organization. Um, But over the years, I've seen a few factors which maybe delay people in obeying God and going on mission. God may have already spoken to you or shared with you in a scripture, or you've just been stirring like, yeah, I need to go, but you're just hesitant. And so why is it that sometimes we're hesitant, right? Like, why is it that we have kind of delayed obedience sometimes with God? Well, one would be money, right? I mean, money is an issue a lot of times. <clears throat> you may be sitting here saying, you know, two to $4,000 to raise for me to go on a plane to go to another country to share the gospel with people, I'm just not so sure that's worth it. Or you may have had a mission trip experience that didn't go so well, right? But I just want to say that when you go on a mission trip, that is biblically grounded, which means you're sharing the gospel, you're praying for the sick, you're making disciples, you're, 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 you're being bold with people, you're loving on people, you're showing the compassion of God towards people. When you go on a trip like that, it is way worth it, and then some. The investment is very minor on that end. And also, when you talk about money on a trip, you're giving people a chance to support you and be a part of that journey with you. Remember, people are giving towards you and towards the trip. But they're giving towards you because they love you and they want to believe in you. They want to be part of the journey with you, right? So money sometimes, though, can be a hang-up for us. Um, Fear, right? Fear can be a hang-up with missions. What if I get sick? Uh, What about going to a dangerous environment? What about traveling? Will it be safe, right? Um, How many of you woke up this morning, got in your car, and drove here to church, and you thought about, hey, I'm going to get in a wreck in like two minutes, any of you think that? Maybe, maybe a few of you, right? Most of you just got in your car and you just expected to get here, right? But any one of you could have gotten a wreck on your way to church this morning, right? But have you heard of someone getting in a wreck before? Anyone heard anybody getting in a wreck? Yeah, you all have, right? But you still drive, right? Why is that? Because we just know this world, there are dangers in this world. But just because there's risk and dangers doesn't mean we don't step into the things of God in our lives. Right? We're not made to play it safe for our 80 years. And then see Jesus one day, hey, look, I played it safe. He's like, what are you doing? I didn't ask you to play it safe. I asked you to trust me. I ask you to step out in faith. I ask you to be bold. I ask you to deal with a little, of, a little bit of mocking, a little bit of persecution. I asked you to take a risk. But you never did. You played it safe. Let me just say, don't be a hobbit. Don't be one. I'll tell you personally, I'm kind of like a hobbit at the core. Okay. Some of you guys are like, oh, let's go backpacking in Europe. I'm like, I don't want to do that. You go, take pictures, and I'll see it through your eyes, okay? I love being at home. If you're like, Tyler, what can you do on a weekend? I was like, I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to travel to Austin and go to some cool concert. I want to hang out at my house. I want to mow the grass. I want to drink lemonade. I want to just throw the ball around. I just want to kind of be, and I want to eat good food, especially bread. I just, (laughs) that's what I want to do, you know? I'm a... I'm a comfort creature, right? That's what I want. But look, we can't say no to God because of some fear or something of the unknown. Sometimes we don't do mission trips because we feel ill-equipped. Hey, I'm not an evangelist, Tyler. Or, you know, I don't speak any foreign languages. All I got is English. Or, hey, I'm not sure I know really how to pray for people. These are real things. People get nervous about stuff. But, you know, remember, Jesus chose a few fishermen to be his disciples no education. They weren't smart. They weren't sought after. They weren't very good. They were just doing their own thing. And Jesus isn't looking for you to be smart. Some of you are, and you can follow God and be smart. But the majority of us are not, right? And I just want to say that sometimes we get caught up in, I need to have all the right answers or understand all this stuff in order to really be a wholehearted Christian. And that is totally false. You know what that is? That's the devil putting a lie in your head. Because what he knows is that you'll never actually obtain that. You'll never get there. You'll never be smart enough to follow Christ. Because that's his trickery on you. Jesus says, hey, come as you are and just follow me. Come on, I'm ready to take you on right now. And he will equip you. In fact, I remember um, one of my first trips, went to Juarez, Mexico. Uh, Ash and I had just gotten engaged in Antioch, Waco, our sister church up the road. <clears throat> they were doing a spring break mission trip for their college ministry. And I was at a at the time. Ash was at Baylor. And so I hopped on board with her spring break trip, went to Juarez. And, um, you know, we're there, and we would go out to the streets getting ready to invite people to an outreach. We'd go knocking on doors and go to parks. We'd say, hey, musica, comida, fiesta, come on. You know, we'd just kind of <laughs> just say to them, come on, we want you to come and come to the party. And, you know, and they're like, who are these crazy Americans? And so we'd show up, and they'd show up. We'd be at this church in the, in the area, these rough neighborhoods. I remember one night, these four uh, boys, kind of maybe 17 18, year old, uh, 17, 18 years old, they came in. and looked kind of rough, and, you know, they didn't look real happy. And um, honestly, I was kind of pretty timid as a person in terms of evangelism or any of that. I was like, hey, I'll come and pass out water, but I don't, I don't want to talk to people, you know. And, um, and my Spanish was okay. It wasn't great. Well, <clears throat> these guys come in, and um, I just felt like the Lord just kind of put this boldness on me in that moment. He said, hey, you four, come here. And they came over. And I started talking to them. And as I kept talking, my Spanish got a lot better, like kind of miraculously a lot better. And it was very succinct. And I shared my story, a testimony, the gospel, asked them if they wanted to receive Jesus. And they're like listening to this guy who's like couldn't speak Spanish. Now he can't. Like, what is going on around here? And it was like, a, honestly, it was like this thing from God. He just gave me the moment. And he equipped me in that moment. And I shared with these guys. And all four of these guys said, I want Jesus to repent of their sins. And they went in and they got in the kingdom that day. And I was like, thank you, God, for sending me someone who felt insignificant, ill-equipped to do this. This before I was a pastor, by the way, which, by the way, doesn't really help you with evangelism. <laughs> i you be like, oh, pastor, it's just, it's easy. I'm still just like you. I have fears. I have issues. Right? I have to go to the guy at Starbucks, my waiter, and come on, you need to pay for this guy. And you have to work up the strength to do it. It doesn't just, like, flow, right? But this is the call of a Christian. You have to discipline your life to press into to do things that are uncomfortable, even though you feel a little quip. The last reason why some of us kind of, kind of pass off the whole mission thing sometimes is, you know, we are creatures of, of, of comfort, right? I mean, you may be sitting here thinking, hey, I don't know if I can eat foreign food. I got a sensitive stomach, you know. <laughs> or what about hot showers? I'm used to hot showers. I don't like bugs. <clears throat> what if people snore on their team because you know they're going to pack me into one room, you know. What about coffee, right? Our ADS trip had an issue with coffee. Won't get into that. Um, but, you know, these are different comforts we have, right? And so back to the whole, you know, Hobbit analogy, it's like, man, we've got to realize we've got comforts, and it's good to get out of our comfort zone. And God knows the best way to do that is put you in a foreign place where you don't speak the language, you don't know anybody, you've never eaten that before. And by the way, let me help you on a mission trip. When food's put in front of you, you don't know what it is, don't ask. Just don't ask. If you ask, you're also not going to eat it. Just think, it's probably somewhere in the genre of chicken, <laughs> right? A little sauce, salt and pepper, you'll be good. But I remember on our uh, on, on my first Uganda trip that I that I went on, took a team from our life group in Waco. We had 13 people. We had nine ladies and four guys. Okay, so we're there, and it's at Restoration Gateway, this place that was an orphanage. It was just getting started. They were still doing construction, and uh, we were there, and they only had just minimal facilities, and They had this kind of outdoor shower thing that was going on that was covered, and they had this one water tank that that got filled up like once a month, okay? So we're there, and, you know, we've been traveling, and we're all these Americans used to taking showers all the time. Well, our girls get in there, and they're thinking they got oily hair, and, you know, it's been a travel day. I need to get clean, you know, and I'm in Africa. I need to get all all my stuff clean. So these ladies are in there, and um, they take the showers, and the next morning the director of the place we're going to serve, he, like, lit into us. I mean, fear of God, like yelling, he was like, what are you guys doing? You use more water in two hours than we use in a week, washing your hair, and we were like, uh-oh, this is not good, you know, <clears throat> so of course, being the great leader I was, after he left, I said, all right, that's it, no more showers, showers are out, and so the girls were like, what are we gonna do? I said, put your hair in a bun, and was like, you're right, no more showers, you know, they all like repented, like, oh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to clean hair, and, I said, you know, next time don't sing in the shower, just get to it, you know, Navy SEAL shower, you know, and so we learn, but with these little comforts, right, these are some things that keep us from stepping in and going on the mission, but you know, we have been invited in to be part of this mission with God, right, I want you to open your Bibles to Romans 10, 12 through 15, and this is a great passage because it, it kind of unpacks for us how God has chosen to partner with us in seeing people's lives change. If you don't know who Paul is, he is one of the apostles. Apostle Paul is probably the most well known kind of missionary man in the New Testament. And, um, you know, Paul had this encounter with Jesus where he got saved. And at the age of 27 years old, many believe, in Acts chapter 9, he has this moment with God at 27, which most people in this room are 27 or younger, right? So here he is. His life gets transformed. God gives him an assignment. He's going to say, hey, I'm now going to use you. You used to persecute the church, you used to be anti everything Jesus. Well, now you're going to be pro-Jesus, and now you're going to start leading other people to to Christ. And so Paul did lots of missionary journeys, planted lots of different churches, and he was in a city called Corinth. So then he wrote this letter to the Christians that were in Rome, which is why it's called Romans, right? So he wrote this letter to them. This is what it says here in chapter 10, verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, at the time, <clears throat> there's a lot, of deci- uh, a lot of division based off of, well, who is really going to be saved? Because the Old Testament, it was the Jews were the people of God, the chosen people. In the New Testament, you know, Christ comes, he says, hey, I've now, I'm available for anyone everyone, every tribe, nation, every people group. And so even at the time, people thought, well, I don't know if the, Jew, if the Gentiles deserve to know Jesus, right? So Paul goes right at that. Remember, Paul was actually a Jew himself, but then he was assigned to go minister to the Gentiles. <clears throat> and so for us sometimes, we sometimes have a prejudice that's maybe built in even, right? Towards a certain people group or a certain type of person and say, I don't know if they're really worth sharing the gospel with. They're probably just gonna reject me, right? We may be intimidated by a certain crowd, but the way that they dress or where they live or what's going on. You just think, ah, they're just too hard. But you know, Paul was like the hardest of heart. And God chose to step in his world. And can I just say that when people are really hard-hearted and God gets a hold of their life, they're actually the most effective in the kingdom. Cause they are, cause they're like all in hardcore anti-God, and when they turn, it's just like, get out of my way. They're like Jesus freaks, you know what I'm saying? I mean, those are the, those are the people who are just like, wow, I can't believe you just did that. And he's like, I don't care, because I know what it's like to live in darkness, right? Some of us only know what it's like to live in a little bit of darkness, right? But, but if you've been in just deep, deep darkness, and you come out of that, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going back there. I don't want anyone else to go there either. So there's this call that God gives us. You know, there's, there, there's a catch here in Romans 10. The catch is that people, we want people to be saved, but we have to be part of that scenario, that we're invited to be part of that journey, the, the going, the sharing, and the hearing. This is where we come in. This is where we are invited in to be part of God's story for the salvation of mankind, is that we are tasked with the going and the sharing and so that people can hear. You know, um, my second trip to Uganda uh, we took a college team from here. We planted a church here, and we went. And um, uh, on this trip, we spent a couple of weeks in Guli, Uganda, northern Uganda. And we spent a few days at this place, Rochelle's Gateway, which I had gone to before. Now, it's more developed now, and they had the orphanage running. It was amazing. hundred kids there being served and loved on them. But they were trying to start church planting outside in the surrounding villages. Well, this man, Jeff, came, moved here from, from Texas, and uh, moved there with his family. And they were just there about a week, I think. And so our team came and he said, hey, Tyler, can you go with me just out in the bush today and just kind of want to, let's just go share the gospel together and see what's out there. It was like his first day out on the missionary job. He just raised all this money, it, now he's going to go. So I'm like, okay, sure. So we go for about eight hours <clears throat> walking around the bush. And the bush means it's like 10 or 12 feet tall of grass. So it's literally, you can't see beyond the grass and the bushes. So you don't know where you're going. We would walk an hour without seeing another person, just trying to make our way down different pathways. We stumbled across this one village um, that had these three young men that were there. Everybody else was gone. And we started meeting with them. And one guy spoke a little bit of English, but not much. And so we started drawing for them in the dirt, the, the bridge illustration. We would draw a mountain over here and a mountain over here. And we would say, hey, we're over here and we're sinners and here's God. And the only way to get to him is through Jesus and Son. And we would draw the bridge illustration. We draw this cross that they could walk across towards God through Jesus. And began sharing this story. And you know, two of the guys weren't very interested. But one guy really was. And 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 we shared with him more. And the best we could tell, he received Christ that day and prayed and said, I want that. I want to follow Jesus. Well, I left, headed back home. And two years later, I'm at a conference for Antioch, a missionary conference we have every couple of years. And Jeff pulls me aside and says, hey, Todd, hey, man. He said, um, you remember, that, remember those guys we met that day in the bush? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, that guy that gave life to Jesus has been my right-hand disciple the last two years. And he has given me access to different villages and towns all over. We've had hundreds of people get saved and been invested in because of that guy. He told me that, and I just started crying, you know. I started crying because you just think sometimes that when you go do something, you're like, that doesn't matter. Or, I don't know, I just pray for that guy, but nothing's going to come of that. But what we don't understand is that the power of God is at work when we're just faithful, just even with a little. Yeah. They're like, you know, the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Can I just say, like, the obedience of a mustard seed can move a mountain too? Yeah. Like, just to obey just a little bit, it's like, I don't know, Lord, we just went for it. I never... Thought about that as anything, and here you go. This guy was a key to a whole area. <clears throat> you know, when Paul writes, um, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? That, that word preach in the Greek literally means a message with conviction. So you hear about, hey, man, that guy's preaching. What's he preaching? He's really passionate about that thing, right? That's when we say that term. This guy really cares about whatever, nutrition or health or fitness, or these kind of shoes. He's really, he's on board with these shoes. I mean, you got to have these shoes, you know. You, we all have that friend, or you are that friend, you know. It's like, man, no, this cotton is like no other cotton. This is 100%. That's why I pay 50 bucks for this T-shirt. I'm like, you can get them for four bucks, you know, but, but the cotton's different. I get it, okay. So preaching is like a message with conviction, right? But, you know, sometimes we lack the conviction part even though we have the message part. So like, man, Jesus is amazing. Have you ever been here on a Sunday and just sing a song, just kind of hummed along? You're like, I'm not sure what I just did just then. H- have you ever been telling someone some of your story and you just are kind of just kind of going through the motions? Or for us, you know, we do baptism Sunday a couple times a year. We're gonna do it again in about a month, and um, we bring this big old old horse trough out here. We, it's all cool now; it's surrounded in wood and stuff, and there's no horses in it. But we bring this out and full on worship. We go for it. Baptizing people get to hear their testimonies in. We've been doing this for years, and, you know, um, wouldn't it be sad if we all show up that Sunday, and, you know, everyone that's new to the baptism Sunday is all excited, but everyone who's been here before is kind of like, oh, that's, that's nice. That's a good story. Oh, I'm glad he got baptized. That's cool, right? Like, we, we, don't, we don't want the power of the gospel to get old, nor do we want the testimonies, right? Of, hey, yeah, man, this, this, person, this marriage got turned around. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I expected that. Wait, wait, Really? This marriage is going to turn around. That's amazing, right? It doesn't mean you have to be loud or all extroverted about it. It just means you have conviction that, yes, that matters, right? So we talk about going on mission. We can't go on mission with a message if we don't have conviction about the message that we're bringing. <clears throat> you know, there's a story that God's wanting us to enter into. Uh, we see a part of it in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, 24 through 27, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. And let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let them say among the nations, the Lord <coughs> reigns. This is the battle cry for the nations, right? Is that all may hear, all may know that, look, there is one true God. There is one son you have to go through to get to the Father. There's not many roads to heaven. There's only one. There's not many rows to God the Father. There's only one. And it's through His Son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. This is the message we have to bring to people, to the nations. And you know, don't we want the nations to be able to say, hey, the Lord reigns here. <clears throat> North Korea. We want the Lord to reign in North Korea. China, India. What about France and Italy. Zambia, Zimbabwe, Russia. What about Kazakhstan and Saudi Arabia and Iran? What about Yemen and Oman? Right? What about Australia, New Zealand, and Colombia and Brazil and Peru and Venezuela? What about the Virgin Islands? What about America and Mexico and Canada? Right? What about Iceland? What about all these nations? It's not that a nation would say the Lord reigns. <clears throat> it's never been God's plan. We're partially, we're, we're in the journey of this being fulfilled. But one day, every tribe, every language, and every people group all over the world will have representatives from that village, from that nation that will be on their hands and knees praising Jesus, one day. And it's happening every day. There's people that are unreached people groups all over the world that are getting engaged. Every week, there's disciples being made. There's house churches happening. You're not going to hear about it on Fox News, CNN, or any other outlet. But let me just tell you, it's happening. When you talk to people who are on the ground in these nations, they will say, you would not believe what God is doing, but you'll never hear about it. But I just want you to know, there is a movement going on. There is a God movement happening. Nations are coming to Jesus. Don't believe everything you hear. Yeah, leaders may be off in lots of ways, but the people are encountering the living God. God is on the move. And one day we will be able to say, hey, in every nation there are representatives saying the Lord reigns here. The Lord reigns. You know, years ago, Jimmy Seibert, the senior pastor at Antioch and Waco, he, um, <clears throat> was, uh, they were just getting started with the church. And um, uh, in the same few days, he had uh, three different people give him the very same scripture. A guy from California sent him a note and said, hey, I was praying and I felt like God gave me this scripture for you. Another man in Waco came up to him on a Sunday and said, hey, God, just put this scripture in my heart for you. Another man, Joe Ewan in Scotland, if you know Joe, he's, uh, he's a great guy, a friend of the movement. And Joe called Jimmy at 2 a.m. and said, hey, Jimmy, wake up. I got a word for you. You know, Joe's awake. He didn't really care if you sleep or not. So called him, wrote it down. So it was the same word. So if you get the same word from three different people, right, three different places in the world, it probably means something. So it was Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Guys, this is us. Whether it's your first time in Antioch, you've been here for years. This is us. This is our family theme. We are going to be a people to step into this promise we believe God is giving us to enlarge and to go to the right and to the left to literally possess the nations and resettle desolate cities. There are desolate cities in America and all over the world. And there's a calling on us and a mission for us, as a people to say, will we be willing to go and to resettle these desolate places? <clears throat> it's a big goal that's worth fighting for, right? You know, and our mission statement as a church here locally is to make disciples of Jesus who transform towns and nations. It's not to make disciples of Jesus who are kind to the nations, who give out food and water to the nations, who write encouraging letters to the nations. It's we're trying to go transform. and that's a big goal, but our heart is when we go to a place, we're looking for transformation. But you know how that happens? It happens with a heart transformation. Like, this is the only way a family is getting fixed. This is the, it's not more money, it's not more food, it's not house, it's not job. All those things are good, but they are secondary. If you don't get to someone's heart and soul, you can do all the programs and all the ministries and all the help you want to give, it ain't going to change much. All it takes is for somebody to get knocked off their high horse and humble before God and then say, now I can move through you. Many of our stories are that story. I was going this way, God got me, and now, it's, whew, whew. you could have told me everything else, but when he got a hold of my heart, then I was on board fully, yeah. right, it's because you received the message with conviction, <clears throat> but what happens when you go, right, when you go to the nations, when you go on a trip, Emily Zeesheng, you may know her, she <clears throat> um, spent a year and a half ago, spent the summer in Brussels, where we had uh, a deal called Engage the Crisis going on, and we had bases set up all over Europe for people to go to mission trips, and she was there for the whole summer, and she said one day <clears throat> her knee was, had a lot of knee pain, and she had some friends pray for her. She just laid hands on her and said, God, would you heal her knee? And her knee got healed. She's like, wow, this is amazing. And she said, as soon as my knee got healed, she really sensed God saying to her, go and give away what you just got. She was like, okay, that's probably in the Bible somewhere, right? She'd probably do that. So she went out the streets, and she found uh, an older lady sitting on a park bench. She went up to her. She was Muslim. She spoke a little bit of English. She went through and said, hey, I just want to ask you, do you have any pain in your body that you need healing from? The woman just began crying with tears and just said, yes, my hands have been filled with arthritis for years and I've been battling it and it hurts so bad. And so Emily said, well, I'm gonna pray for you because God just healed my knee and I think it was to heal your hands. She held her hands and within just a few moments, all of a sudden arthritis goes away. The woman's doing this, with her hands, she's rejoicing, crying and just excited. Now this woman didn't know God. She's still Muslim this day as far as we know. But you know what she got in a moment? She knew that God, there's a God and goes, and his son Jesus, and that's the way she got healed. I don't know where she is in that journey, but isn't it incredible that when we go, even we can just touch people who don't even believe in God yet, and God wants to meet them where they are and say, I love you, I'm for you, and I want to heal you. That's why we go to the nations, and as a church, we always want to give you opportunities to go, to be on mission with us as a people. In years past, we have opportunities for you to go on mission trips at different locations all over the world, and we have teams all over the world you can go and partner with. A couple years ago, we started doing internships. You could go for three months. Instead of just a two-week or three-week trip, you would go for three months, and spend a whole summer in a location. And so we're looking forward to doing something again this summer. We're doing something a little different this summer, but before I tell you about that, I just want to take you into this last summer and just show you a little bit of a recap of what we did this last summer. All right. So this summer... We are calling it Engage the Islands, all right? So in the years past, we would send you all over the place, and as a movement, all the Antioch churches we pulled together over the last six months and just said, what can we do together? And God's spoken so clearly that we are going to go to the South Pacific, and we're going to engage the islands, all right? So let me unpack you a little bit of what we're doing, okay? So what happened about six or eight months ago, there's a group of missions directors from all over the world, different organizations, and some U.S. pastors that got together, and they said, "Hey." What are we going to do about actually fulfilling the Great Commission in our lifetime? And they said, let's actually speed it up. Let's go to 2025. What can we do by 2025 to actually make sure we have laborers, missionaries, in every place around the world where there are unreached people groups? And what that means is people who do not have healthy churches, they don't have disciples being made, and to go where there's unreached or unengaged unreached people groups, which would be UUPGs. And all that means is that there's no known missionaries doing any kind of work amongst them. So it could be a group of 100,000, could be 5 million. And they exist today in our world. The great thing is, is that there is a commitment from the body of Christ as a whole to say, we're going to take them on. So 2025 is the new goal, right? That's what's being laid out. And so we said, hey, what can we do to not only just go as Antioch churches, but actually empower the body of Christ to go? Because at this meeting, they all looked at each other, they said, hey, here's the deal. The missions agencies are doing a great job. But we're missing one key component. The American church. The American church is the largest potential sending organization on the planet. But how many people have actually been on a biblically centered mission trip where they were sharing the gospel, making disciples, praying for the sick, starting churches, which is what we see in the book of Acts. How many people have actually been on a trip that are at Sunday morning services right at this very moment in America? Not many. But what if the American church got mobilized? What if they get mobilized? What if senior pastors and their wives, what if students, what if people said, hey, why don't we go on a trip to the South Pacific to go share the gospel with people and potentially even make inroads into people groups that no one's ever shared with? What if? What would happen if the mission bug got caught on at churches around America? Because what a lot of churches do is they say, you want to go to missions, why don't you go to Pioneers or YWAM or Frontiers or something else? We'd love to set you up with them. Go. But there's no buy-in from the church versus, hey, what if the local church trained their people, sent their people, created, facilitated those trips for them? So here's what we're doing. As a church, in years past, we've dispersed everyone. We're not doing that this year. So outside the family zone, you guys actually have two opportunities this summer. You can either go to Indianapolis, Indiana for a one-week mission trip in July. We have a church there called Antioch Indy. We planted that church a year and a half ago out of this church. And so... Andrew and Heather are doing a great job, and they said, hey, we want the family zone to come take a mission trip here. We would love it. Uh, and so that's going to happen in July. So if you're a family, we want you to do that. For everybody else, from the youth to college, to young adults, and including families, we're all going to go to be part of Engage the So what does that mean? There's one of two ways you can be part of it. One, you can do a two-week mission trip called an impact trip in either June or July, where you'll go on a team with people from your life group, most likely. Or number two, you can sign up and be an intern, where you go for three months. So what we are doing? Our big goal is to send 175 teams total, 400 interns, and hopefully over the course of the three-month window, we're going to be able to engage. Our goal is to engage 30 unreached or unengaged unreached people groups. What if we took three months and knocked 30 groups off the list? I mean, can you imagine that? This is what Paul thought Jesus was returning like next week when he was writing here. It's 2,000 years later, and the job's not done. We want to be the church not only that sends teams, but mobilizes the body of Christ. So here's where everyone comes in. Yes, you may say, I want to go. I'm in. I'm there. The young adults are sending teams, at least two teams. The youth is sending a team. The college, I think you've got 11 or 12 teams going. So if you're a family, just jump on one of these teams. It's going to be awesome. But we are going because we want to be part of the Great Commission. We want to be part of saying, we're going to do our part. So in that, not only if you're going, it's great. If you're not going, that's totally fine. But here's what I'd say to everybody in the room. Our goal is to not just have Antioch teams going. It's to mobilize other churches to go. We are setting up a base in this area where everybody will fly into. They'll come in for 48 hours, get training, and then go to the location. We're going to have translators set up. We're going to have local contacts set up. We're going to have outreach areas set up. There's a whole host of networking going on right now, the next six months where your mom and dad's church from West Texas or from wherever you're from say, we wanna do a trip, we got 12 people, great. Get the people, raise the money, we'll take care of the rest. We're literally gonna be handing churches missions in a box, we can just say, hey, just like a missions organization would say, hey, just kinda sign up and come. We're saying that for us as a church, we wanna help facilitate That opportunity for people that you know, your home church, your friends. I'm meeting with seven or eight pastors in this town to pitch them the idea of saying, hey, would you guys take a team or two to come over? Or use a senior pastor, come on over. We'll help facilitate a time for you to go. Because a lot of people want to do missions. They just don't know how. A lot of people want to do it. They just don't know how to facilitate that. But what if we took that burden away and said, hey, come on with us? Because our goal is to send 75 Antioch teams and 100 teams from the body of Christ. That's our goal this summer. This is what we're doing, guys, and I'm telling you, this is going to be an incredible opportunity for us as a church. Chris shared earlier that, hey, this is a place where we say, where you, be, where you become family, we're going to go on mission as a family. And you may not be able to go because you're pregnant or you've got school commitments or something's going on, and that is fine, and we bless you in that, and that is awesome. But don't skip out on what we're doing this summer. You can pray, you can give, you can go, you can do all three, you can do one of the three. But I would encourage you as a church family, this is what we're doing this summer. And if at all you can even go, I think you will never regret it. You'll never regret the opportunity to go engage the islands this summer. All right? So I'll show you a quick picture as a wrap-up of where we're going to show you the area. We can't mention to you actually country name. You can probably figure it out. though. You're smart people. <laughs> but that's where we're going. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of islands. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. Uh, it's one of the largest Muslim nations on the planet. And so we're going to come and bring the kingdom of God and love them and show the compassion of Jesus to them. But that's what we're doing this summer. So um, start talking to your folks now or considering it now. But we would love for you to be part of this this summer. All right? So let's stand up here as we end. Band, come on up if you would. <clears throat> and here's how we're going to end today. Um, you know, I just got the sense that for us, we usually have our leaders come up and, and be available to pray for people. We're going to do that this morning. Um, but what we do want is we want everyone just to kind of position their hearts in a place and say, hey, I just want God's heart for the nations. And some of us in this room, you have it. And you're like, man, I'm all in. And some are like, oh, I've never really thought of a mission trip before, and that's okay. I just want everyone, though, to say, man, it is God's heart that we care, that we care. And so for you caring, the next step may be, hey, I'm going to walk at these doors and sign up and be interested in going on a trip or being an intern." Or you caring, maybe, you know, I'm actually going to commit to praying for this effort. I'm going to research and just learn about these lands and just say, man, who can I pray for? Maybe there's a specific people group that you're saying, man, I want to pray for them. That they get reached this summer. Yeah. Or you may be saying, you know, I can't, I, I can't go, but I'd love to give. Yeah. God's put just generosity in my heart. I want to give, so I want to be able to support different people that are going on trips and, and all that. Wherever you are, we just want to do it as a family, right? Our goal is that we would do it as a family. This summer, So here, as, as we worship, I just want everyone just to close their eyes for a moment and just ask God, just as so we begin to worship, just saying, God, would you make my heart aligned with your heart? Your heart's for the nations. Your heart's for people to hear and to know that you are good and loving and salvation to come to different groups. And so, Lord, I just want my heart to be aligned with yours. So just allow them to speak to you this morning. God, we just pray we'd be a people who are aligned with your heart for the nations. We would say, the Lord reigns in different nations, in different cities all over the earth. And God, would you give us an opportunity to be part of your great story this summer. In Jesus' name.